get adjusted here, sorry. Oh, good morning. Um, as you can see, I'm not Derek. Uh, he's a bit taller. Um, so Derek's down in South Australia at the moment. I think he's at a wedding, is that right? Anyone know? No? But he'll be back. Um, so he's been preaching through John 12. So this, this time of year, it's a time of excitement. Uh, it's a time of expectation. Uh, maybe I just think that because I have kids and they're really excited. Uh, they're really hoping they'll get something exciting for Christmas, like a coffee maker. Uh, just throwing that out there. That's what my kids want. Um, so we're going to be looking at a section in John 12, sometimes called the triumphal entry. And it might seem like a bit of a weird uh, time to look at that. Like that's Palm Sunday, usually we do that the week before Easter. Um, but Derek's been, the first reason is that Derek's been preaching through John, and this is where we're up to. Uh, and the second reason that we're going to look at this today is that this passage has a lot to say about expectation, about the excitement of seeing Jesus come. Um, so if it seems a little out of season, then forgive me, but hopefully it'll make sense as we go. So Christmas is coming. Uh, this is the time when we celebrate divine intervention, God's Son coming to earth, becoming fully human in order to deal with the problem that separates us from God. Jesus came to help us with the problem that for us is hopeless. We celebrate him humbling himself to deal with our mess and our utter hopelessness. Now, in churches with a more traditional liturgy, so not like our church, um, this time of year is called Advent. Uh, it's a time when we remember Israel looking forward to the promised Messiah. We remember that God promised to rescue a people for himself, and we remember that he fulfilled that promise through sending his son, Jesus. And if you trust in him to save you, you now are not only included among his people, but are called a son or daughter of God. Jesus' coming is hope for the world. Hope for those who believe and will believe in him. Now, the idea of God's promise of a Messiah to redeem Israel, for, to make for himself people and bring, people, bring peace between them and God, is very much an underlying theme in the passage we're going to look at today. We talk about Jesus humbling himself to take human form. Uh, not only that, but to become fully human, come as a baby. His humility as well is to the fore in this passage. And the other thing that's to the fore, as I said, was this idea of expectation of people, of God's people, uh, of even Jesus' closest disciples, looking forward with hope and expectation, hoping that Jesus really was who he said he was. Uh, but we're going to see that they, they didn't fully understand that yet. Uh, so before we read the passage in John, we're going to look at a couple of other passages. So first we're going to look at Psalm 118. Um, and we're going to look at verses 22 to 29. And this is a passage that um, certainly the New Testament writers uh, got really excited about. They looked at this and they went, oh, look, that's Jesus. Um, so we're going to read from so Psalm 118 from verse 22. 
The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvellous in our eyes. The Lord has done it this very day. Let us rejoice today and be glad. Lord, save us. Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord we bless you. The Lord is God, and he has made his light shine on us. With bows in hand, join in the festal procession up to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will praise you. You are my God, and I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. The stone the builders rejected, it says. Uh, It's not that the Pharisees and the scribes and leaders of the temple weren't looking for a Messiah. They were. Um, And we have accounts in... um, I forget which gospel now. Uh, Probably probably Luke. um, Of Jesus being brought brought to the temple and prophets there saying, oh my goodness, the Messiah's come. Um, People were waiting. They were expecting. Uh, But most of them rejected Jesus. Perhaps they were looking for military success over the Romans or looking to maintain their own authority and power. Uh, Whatever their motive, we know they missed their moment. And sadly, devoted Jews still talk about expecting and hoping for their Messiah to come. But we believe he has. Jesus is the cornerstone. He's the measure the rest of the building, that's us, is built from. He's our firm foundation. If you want to know what the church should look like, the heart and shape and content of its ministry, then look to Jesus. It says, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now we're going to see that this is uh, one of the phrases the crowd cheer at him. Uh, One of the things that regularly comes through in the Gospel of John is Jesus' desire to glorify God the Father. And in turn, God the Father delights to glorify Jesus. And we too are called to glorify him to live lives that glorify his name, to bear witness to the goodness and grace of God in our lives. So that's Psalm 118. Let's have a little read of the other passage. We're going to look in the book of Zechariah. Uh, If you're looking for it in your Bibles, it's two books before the New Testament. It's right at the end of the Old Testament. Uh, And this book of prophecy has a lot to say about uh, the restoration of Israel and Jerusalem um, is written in the time of the exile in Babylon, uh, and it has yeah this note of hope uh, coming through it. And uh, just prior to this passage, uh, it's been talking about God defending Israel and um, dealing with Israel's enemies and punishing them. And then it says this. So Zechariah nine, uh, reading nine and ten, and then sixteen and seventeen. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will take away the chariots from Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem, and the battle bow will be broken. He will proclaim peace to the nations. 
His rule will extend from sea to sea, and the river to the ends of the and from the river to the ends of the earth. And then sixteen and seventeen says this: The Lord their God will save his people on that day, as a shepherd saves his flocks. They will sparkle in his land like jewels in a crown. How attractive and beautiful they will be. Grain will make the young men thrive and new wine the young women. So it's a message of peace. It's a message of peace. Uh, It starts with a really strong image. Israel's king called righteous and victorious. Pretty strong image. Then immediately, lowly. And he doesn't charge up Mount Zion on a mighty war horse or even a big camel. No, on a donkey. Not just a donkey. A young donkey. A little one. I've got some images here um, and hopefully we'll be able to get them on the screen. Just for comparison's sake. So this is uh, Tsar Alexander. Now, I put Alexander Warhorse into Google and I got two, two for one. I was looking for Alexander the Great. So this is Tsar Alexander in triumph in Paris. You can see that's a like, triumphant, powerful image. He's got a big horse. He's got all these troops around him, pretty strong. And the next one, we have Alexander the Great. So this is more in the time of the ancient world. Here he is. Um, uh, legend has it he... he um, tamed this horse himself and then he rode it into battle. It's big big and strong and all about triumph and victory. And then we have our king on a little donkey. It's not quite the same, is it? But there's a glory to this as well. Um, The people want to praise him. Um... This one is almost a bit ridiculous. I found some other images which were really good. They had really, really little donkeys, but anyway. Um, but it's an image that declares not military might of victory, but coming peace. So it's pretty exciting. Peace is coming. Verse 10 says he's going to take the war horse and the chariots away. And he's going to break the bow. They're not going to be necessary anymore. Now, the Israelites expected a Messiah. They expected him to bring peace. Uh, what many missed is that this isn't just about an end to war and striving for political power. Um, and we're still waiting for an end to that. It has more to do with a new peace with God. Of a new hope because of the sacrifice of our lowly donkey-riding king. So let's read the passage in John 12 now. So we're looking at John 12 and starting at verse 12. And it says this. Uh, So just prior to this has been um, Lazarus raised from the dead and big crowd coming to see Lazarus and Jesus and excitement and Mary anointing Jesus with her really expensive perfume Um, And now he's on his way to Jerusalem. So when it says the next day, yesterday, um, Mary anointed him. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! 
Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, as it is written, Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. Um, So that's out of that passage in uh, Zechariah that we read. Uh, At first, his disciples didn't understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realise that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. Uh, So after he's glorified, they realised he was really the Messiah, basically. Um, That those Old Testament prophecies really were written about him. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had performed the sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. Now, that's a little bit at the end there about the Pharisees. Um, the last section actually ends with the, the Pharisees plotting to kill someone else. Um, so Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead and they had this bright idea that maybe um, they should kill Lazarus, which is a bit of a weird plan. Um, but you'll see their, their, their plans to, to undermine Jesus were getting them nowhere. Okay. Now this comes after, as I said, uh, Mary's extravagant act of worship, anointing him with a very expensive jar of perfume and following on from the miracle of Lazarus being raised from the dead. And we're going to see um, that idea of extravagant worship continue. Uh, there's a big crowd around uh, and they've come to see Jesus and Lazarus and they're excited. It's one of the high points of Jesus' popularity, but we're also less than a week away from his death. Jerusalem is packed full of worshippers who've come to celebrate the Passover festival. Um, And in verse 12 and 13, we're already seeing um, fulfilment of some of those Old Testament scriptures. So Psalm 118, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Uh, And it also says, with bows in hand, join in the festal procession. That's how they praise him. They cut branches off trees and they use them to praise him. Um, Again, verse 14, 15, Jesus enters lowly on a young, weak beast, not with military strength, but on a donkey, which for them was a symbol of peace and humility. Now, verse 16, I find really interesting. So this um, Zechariah prophecy was a known prophecy. Um, and in the other Gospels, it seems like the, um, the Pharisees get what he's doing. He's saying, I'm the king, I'm the Messiah. This is what, how the king enters Jerusalem. But this says, at first the disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realise. Um, and I wonder, I, I, we don't know why they didn't understand um, or what their expectation was. 
But certainly the crowd here are declaring him king. They're saying, blessed is the king of Israel. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. That's, that's how you praise the king. Um, and Jesus certainly knew what he was proclaiming here. Uh, he's fulfilling prophecy. He doesn't correct the, the crowd. Um, in fact, in Luke's account, the Pharisees ask him to, and he says if he silences them, the rocks will praise him. It is good and it is right to worship Jesus. Just like Mary with her perfume, the crowd here are right to praise him. Now, there was a lot of excitement and expectation about the coming Messiah. And here is Jesus ticking prophetic boxes, entering Jerusalem just as the prophet Zechariah foretold. But there's some confusion. They were right to proclaim him king. Right to praise him, just as it was a right to, for Mary to extravagantly worship him with her perfume. But Jesus wasn't going to Jerusalem to fulfill people's expectations. He was going to be the fulfillment of God's prophecy and of God's law. He's the goal of the law, it says. He entered Jerusalem not expecting political victory but knowing that he was about to lay down his life, that we might have peace with God. Now the people get excited. Jesus is coming to Jerusalem. They honour him. They praise him. In Matthew's account, it says they laid their cloaks um, and branches on the road for Jesus to ride his donk over, donkey over. Donk. Now, you don't normally roll out the red carpet to be ridden on, um, but they wanted to praise him. How much more so now should we praise him? We can look back and we can see when the prophet spoke of peace, he had us in mind. Jesus fulfilled that and brought peace between us and God. It is good and right to praise Jesus. I've said that before, I'm going to say it again. It is good and right to praise Jesus and to live for him out of gratitude uh, out of gratitude for being res- restored to a place of peace with God. So that's the first um, thing I would like you guys to take from this passage today. It is good and it is right to praise Jesus. And the second is this, um, and forgive me, I probably won't express this very well. Um, we can be sure God will fulfill his promises. We can move forward with hope knowing that his word is sure, it is secure, and his will for us is good. Our understanding of his promises and how he will fulfil them is limited and is coloured by our own expectations. Just like the people in Jerusalem wanted a king, they got a king. He wasn't the king they wanted or the king they were hoping for. Um, What they got was so much more. Yeah. They, were, they were so hopeful of having um, victory over the Romans, like they're living under oppression. Uh, like Simon Peter in the garden when they come to arrest Jesus, he's so quick to whip out that sword and get into it. Like, the rebellion's finally starting. 
But Jesus' victory was so much more for us. Not victory over human regime. Not victory over a political power. But over sin. Over our hopelessness. His victory brought us peace with God. So when we don't understand what God is doing, we can trust that his will is good. Even though our vision is limited, perhaps our temporary pain and confusion will result in someone receiving hope, someone coming to peace with God. Um, So that's what I wanted to share with you guys today. Um, I'll just pray for us. God, we know you are good. And Lord, it is a right to praise you because you are good. Lord, we want to honour you as a people. We want to honour you as individuals. And Lord, we want to be faithful to you. Um, Even in our moments of doubt and confusion, when we're wondering how this fits with your plan, Lord. We want to be obedient to you and honour you. Lord, help us to do that. Amen.